Hi, my name is Champaka Rajagopal. This is the podcast Misaligned, hosted by Reflective Practice, our prax. We capture the voice of the youth to understand their worldview and values given the nature of complex dynamics that we are experiencing today both in terms of opportunities as well as uncertainties and risks. This is the very first podcast and I'm delighted to invite Lavanya Saxena as part of our conversations. Lavanya is a public policy professional who has just completed her master's degree from the National University of Singapore. Lavanya, we are absolutely delighted to have you over with us today. Thank you Professor Champaka Rajagopal for inviting me to Misaligned podcast and I look forward to having this conversation with you. So Lavanya, you've just uh, recently returned from Singapore and uh, are brimming with uh, several new ideas, you've um, many innovations that you've been exposed to in Singapore. What excites you at the moment? I'm really curious to know. Singapore was a great experience for me. Uh, having been born and brought up in a developing country like India, Singapore offered a different flavor. I see this because it has one of the most efficient public transportation system. You can reach from one end to the other in less than two hours. Additionally, the open spaces, parks near where you're living actually offer a great way to exercise and rejuvenate yourselves. Uh, I think Singapore is very well prepared to take risks and handle uh, risks and be more resilient to future because they plan everything well in advance. That's great, uh, Lavanya. Wonderful to hear. Um, in fact, that takes me to my very first question. You have an economics background and I know you've just completed a master's degree in uh, public policy from the National University of Singapore and you're sort of re-entering the world of practice soon. Um, and you and I are public policy professionals. Um, we know that um, you know unpacking and understanding a problem that affects the society and the masses as a as a whole through the lens of multiple actors who are sort of getting affected by the problem or are involved in the making of that problem to understand these problems is sort of central to public policy. Um, so given the current uh, milieu where there are several opportunities as well as challenges, what do you feel are the most pressing problems that us that our cities and our villages face today? I'd love to hear more. Thank you for that question, Professor Champaka. Uh, before I dive into the three problems, I think the first one I want to highlight is apart from the cold temperatures that the North India is reeling under, apart from that, the air pollution problem has been pretty striking here as well. Uh, the air quality index has quite a bit deteriorated and it stems from a lot of multiple reasons, uh, the construction industry, the automobile, uh, also the stubble burning that happens in some of the states in North India. So that is something that we need to ponder upon. Apart from that, I think there are three major concerns that our cities and rural areas and regions are facing. The first is infrastructure and sanitation. And I think Prof. Champak, I'll agree with this as well on the first point, that India confronts with substantial inadequacies in basic infrastructure, particularly in the rural areas, such as access to clean water, sanitation, facilities, poor waste management are critical concerns. 
Uh, inadequate sanitation infrastructure also contributes to the spread of waterborne diseases affecting public health on a very large scale. Uh, the second thing I want to highlight is access to quality health services. Now, despite the progress that we have made over the past years, there are persistent disparities in access to quality healthcare services across regions and socio-economic groups in India. Rural areas often suffer from shortage of healthcare facilities, skilled medical professionals, and essential medical supplies. And COVID-19 pandemic heightened the urgency of better healthcare management practices. The third is actually leads me from the second problem is better healthcare data management. I think it's very, very important for crucial planning, implementing, and evaluating healthcare intervention that we have an effective healthcare data management system. However, India still faces challenges in maintaining comprehensive and accurate healthcare data. With the increase in uh, automation and uh, AI, we think that we need to be better prepared in how we're collecting and processing personal data, and healthcare data is very important for that. But because we don't have accurate health record data, we don't have a system in place at the moment, this hinders evidence-based decision-making, resource allocation, and the ability to design targeted health policies. Um, that's really important, uh, Lavanya, indeed. Sanitation, healthcare, uh, and uh, data healthcare management. These are crucial issues, not just for rural areas, but for urban areas as well. And as an urban policy professional, I can certainly endorse that. Um, could you share a little bit more about what you mean by accessibility to quality healthcare services? There's a lot there, and uh, perhaps through some of your some of the studies you've done, if you could share a little bit more. Sure, Prof. Champaka, I would love to do that. So, if I have to break down access to quality services, there are two terms: access and quality. Access means being able to obtain the services in the right time and frame, and quality means being able to uh, diagnose and prevent the disease burden that you're carrying. Uh, now, while I was studying in Singapore, we were, as a part of my projects, we were studying a couple of developing countries in Asia, and we came about access to quality healthcare services was a major concern. And why I say that is because, firstly, uh, the healthcare practitioners, they need to be trained, equipped, uh, and familiar with how to diagnose a disease, how to treat the person. Secondly, the disease burden in developing countries is pretty high. If we take the case of India, tuberculosis is still quite rampant. Uh, thirdly, we need to have the right ratio of doctors and patients in hospitals. That is pretty important. And uh, when we talk about rural and urban areas, there's this problem of being able to provide timely uh, healthcare facilities to the people. Uh, that's what I have been looking at. Uh, that's uh, very important again, all of the points that you mentioned. Um, and you also highlighted uh, data healthcare management. Uh, your insights on those? Did you study um, uh, anything specific related to data management? In healthcare? Absolutely, absolutely with it. So healthcare data management is basically how you're using somebody's personal data and leveraging it to your uh, for your purposes, right? So healthcare data is actually classified as a personal data. 
and we were looking at a couple of developing countries again and trying to find out what were the challenges in healthcare data management practices and how could we resolve these issues so some of the common challenges that came about was something like uh, there was a lot of bureaucratic structure of the government in couple of uh, countries we also came about resistance from the government to adopt new ways of managing data then uh, from the public side there was also concerns about data breaches and privacy which has come up uh, very rampantly uh, then uh, the absence of effective tools to protect these uh, healthcare data so we were looking at these on the basis of five parameters uh, governance and regulation security infrastructure uh, data standardization interoperability and capacity building basically those are excellent insights uh, thanks lavanya i have another related question lavanya you bring up um, these three crucial concerns um, what are your expectations from governments markets and the and the society as a whole to address these challenges because these problems are not just the responsibility of the government right everybody is uh, has implications uh, from these from healthcare problems for instance to begin with so what are your expectations from multiple institutions governments markets and the society absolutely mam you are correct about that is everybody's responsibility to take ownership of these problems and i think it requires a holistic and integrated approach and which combines investments in infrastructure development sanitation facilities healthcare accessibility and robust healthcare information systems if i have to first speak about governments i would say having robust policy and regulatory frameworks is paramount uh the government should actually prioritize investments in infrastructure development sanitation and healthcare services um can i just uh, ask a follow up question there when you say it robust mm-hmm. policies and regulations what would you mean by robust policies and regulations and a second question i have is about infrastructure development when you say broadly infrastructure development how do you think that has a positive effect on sanitation and healthcare services right great questions uh, when i say robust policy and regulatory frameworks i mean their enforcement so when a policy or a regulatory framework is in place it's very important that it's being enforced and it reaches the people it needs to uh, coming to infrastructure development and its investment what i mean is if somebody has to reach the hospital or a nearby healthcare facility how would they reach so if you invest in efficient public transportation systems the person can easily access those services also having proper medical infrastructure in place which is a government system in place i think that is very important great thoughts again uh, lavanya could you share a little bit more about government policy sure ma'am so i think uh, apart from this public private partnerships have become quite inevitable in our today's development processes and i see that because public private partnerships can actually leverage the strength of both the sectors because they enhance efficiency innovation and resource allocation apart from that i think there's also important to invest in healthcare workforce because if you increase in their development their training or what we say capacity building in technical languages you actually recruit skilled professionals so you attract healthcare professionals and help serve the rural and underserved areas including 
the urban communities. I'd just like to add a quick caveat over there, uh, Lavanya. You know my uh, research uh, in urban and regional development also pertains to public-private partnerships in particular. For instance, while um, the uh, general um, expectation of governments from uh, involving the private sector is to sort of uh, bring about greater efficiency and that there's that that's a legitimate uh, um, um, you know expectation from the government but i'd also like to uh, highlight that there are several risks associated with public private partnerships as a mechanism because public private partnerships essentially are long term contracts and there are a lot of uncertainties which are inherent to um, these long term contracts which can also produce a whole range of uh, risks. So I just wanted to highlight some caveats over there. Um, more thoughts from you on um, how um, not just the government, but also markets, for instance. Any thoughts on the markets and how they can support uh, better healthcare, for instance? Definitely. Thank you for pointing that out, ma'am. So I think markets can play a crucial role in driving innovation and technological advancement in the healthcare delivery and data management as well. They can encourage private sector participation in the development of affordable and accessible healthcare solutions, including telemedicine, digital health records, and diagnostic tools. Also, I feel from the markets, they can support and promote social entrepreneurship initiatives that promote on addressing these healthcare challenges and uh, sort of encourage the businesses to adopt sustainable and socially responsible practices that contribute to public healthcare outcomes. Uh, and the third one being uh, civil societies. I think community engagement is an important aspect. The government can closely work with the communities to understand the problems that lie at the grassroots and better understand their needs and requirements and how they can help uh, ameliorate these challenges that lie over there. Also, their sense of more democratic decision-making will take place and higher accountability, I feel. Indeed, uh, I couldn't agree more with you, Lavanya. Partnerships of all types are essential because these problems are collectively owned by all of us. Um, I see, I hear you on uh, social entrepreneurship, or, although I'd like to hear a little bit more about what you mean by social entrepreneurship. Um, I do think there's a lot of emphasis on public participation, for instance, and a greater uh, strengthening of uh, state-society uh, relationships. Uh, but you also mentioned a greater responsible um, behavior from businesses, and I uh, couldn't agree more with you on that as well, because that's one of the key areas of work that my organization, Reflective Practice, does. Uh, we have this initiative called the Entrepreneurship and Partnerships Lab, as you're well aware, and um, the key, key objectives of this uh, EP lab is basically to strengthen state business and state market relationships, which is a highly under uh, uh, sort of researched and um, uh, an area which needs much more attention. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm well aware about the EP lab initiatives, and I'm excited to see how their work unpacks eventually. Uh, speaking of social entrepreneurship, uh, it's more about how more and more organizations, experts and not-for-profit organizations are using technology to improve access to quality healthcare. Sure, uh, thanks for elaborating on that, uh, Lavanya. 
um, on, on social entrepreneurship. I have many more questions on that front and we could probably discuss that a little bit later um, separately. Um, so that's, it's great. It's great to hear your expectations from uh, governments, from markets, businesses and from communities. Um, could you please tell us a little bit about how you want to contribute to um, the health policy sector and uh, several uh, um, suggestions that you had um, for um, addressing these, uh, you know, pressing problems related to healthcare, which um, you've aptly highlighted needs a lot of attention. Could you tell us a little bit about what role you find for yourself in going going forward? That's an excellent question, Professor Champaka. Since I am new to this field and I'm very excited to venture and explore different avenues through which I could contribute and ameliorate these challenges, the first one being policy advocacy, I want to advocate for allocation of resources and the implementation of effective interventions by engaging with government agencies, NGOs and advocacy groups to promote policies that address healthcare and sanitation challenges. Secondly, I want to work directly with the communities to understand their specific challenges and needs and develop and implement such community-based and led projects that improve uh, healthcare and sanitation practices. The third being uh, networking uh, opportunities and tapping onto my international network. Since I have worked in India and also studied in Singapore, I have uh, connections with uh, certain professionals, policy makers and organizations for working in this field. So to collaborate with interdisciplinary teams to address these complex challenges holistically would be a great avenue. Thank you. Those are um, great aspirations and um, expectations you have from yourself, um, Lavanya. Uh, wish you all the best uh, in um, you know serving uh, the communities uh, assisting governments um, and also markets, for instance, and businesses to um, take ownership of, of the many problems we confront, not just health, but other sectors as well. Um, I have one last question for you. You know, we live in a very complex world. We, the world has always been very complex, of course, but the current milieu confronts us with a whole range of, uh, um, you know, very difficult, wicked, problems, as they say, we have um, faced the pandemic uh, last year, the, the year before last, we've had uh, economic and uh, financial crises that have recorded over the last decade. Uh, we've had climate change related concerns, uh, and a host of other uh, problems as well, new kinds of profound societal issues that have emerged. Um, What's your worldview in this in this uh, milieu? How um, optimistic are you about um, collectively coming together to sort of uh, work towards uh, building a better planet? Could you share a little bit about your worldview? This is a very important question for me, and I'd love to mm -hmm. hear more. Absolutely, ma'am. I think we operate in the most dynamic times right now. Post-COVID highlighted the new normal, right? Uh, then technology took over. AI came into existence. Now everything is rapidly changing and we need to be prepared ourselves. So first and foremost, I think it's very important for each individual to realize that they have to take responsibility for driving these changes. We cannot just 
rely on civil societies or governments to change the action. And I think it's something I also learned while I was working in the past that to drive systemic changes, it is imperative to be on a path of self-change. So we need to be aware of the challenges that lie ahead and be well prepared. And that's something I feel the governments would also should do. That's something I highlighted during the initial part of my conversation, how Singapore is well prepared to tackle these sort of risks and challenges that lie ahead. And I feel that is how we should also operate. We need to forecast, we need to plan ahead of 10, 15 years down the line and then start working backwards through, you know, a backward induction model of, okay, these are challenges, this may arise. How are we going to tackle these issues? And I think the better prepared we are, the more resilient we would be to the risks that lie ahead for us in the future. And um, we cannot be very optimistic, but we can always be better prepared is what I feel. Thank you. That's uh, an excellent uh, set of insights, Lavanya. Indeed, um, risks and uncertainties are uh, aspects that all of us, all of our institutions and all of us as individuals, I, I strongly align with you in uh, the fact that we all need to be much more cent centered around uh, risk readiness as we move forward um, in our personal lives, but also government strategy, business strategy, as well as how communities collectively um, become much more uh, aware of uh, risks as we move forward and risks come in many forms. It could be climate change risks, it could be economic risks, financial risks, um, uh, political risks, just a host of them. It's important that we become much more aware of risk as a sort of an imperative in moving forward. Uh, this was such an enjoyable conversation with you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and I hope to keep this conversation alive. We'll come back to you again um, as we advance um, our policy work through our prax, reflective practice, and uh, through the Entrepreneurship and Partnerships Lab. Thank you very much, Lavanya. Thank you so much, ma'am.